Good morning. Well, it was about two years ago today that I was at First Baptist praising God and thinking, next week I have to go in front of a whole bunch of strangers and preach a sermon and hope they vote to bring me as their pastor. So it's been a really good two years. It's been a blessing to be here. Um, And today's date, October 13th, has been circled on my calendar for a number of months. I've been praying for today. I've recruited other people to be praying for today because today is the day we're going to share with you what the elders have been working on for over a year. Uh, We've been working on this discipleship pathway and working diligently and praying and studying books and going to conferences, all with the desire to see a church that, that makes disciples who make disciples. And if you're visiting with us today, we're very happy you're here, and we want to tell you that part of the reason why we've developed this is, is we were thinking of you. We wanted to find, we wanted to create a pathway, a way that as you come and as you visit and you start to enjoy the church and learn more about us, that a clear pathway for you to get plugged into a community, to find a community, to learn what it looks like to follow God and then to become a person that can then show someone else how to do that. So as we get ready to dive in, I just want to stop and pray and ask God to bless this time that we have together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good. And God, as we gather, we want this church to bring you glory. To God be the glory. Great things you have done. And we want to tell the nations about those great things. We want when people walk through the door for them to hear the great things you have done. And so, Lord, as, we've, as leadership has been praying, fasting, seeking your face, studying, it's all culminated in this one moment. So I pray that as we listen, Lord, you will help us to see the goal. Help us to keep in mind the mission to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything You've commanded us and knowing that, lo, you are with us always to the very ends of the age. Let us not lose sight of that mission. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I came to the church, uh, one of the things that I thought was important as we, as we talk about discipleship is to understand that, that North Park was already on a journey when I showed up. I didn't, I didn't come and start this journey, that the church was actually on a journey. And so I've asked John to come up and kind of share the journey that we've been on so that you can see how we got to where we got. And then I'll pick it up about two years ago and bring it from there. So, There you go. Been here at North Park now for a little bit over nine years. And nine years ago, when I came, this conversation was in process. And one of the first uh, deacons, pastors meeting that I was involved in, they were talking about the summary of a book that they had been reading that was called Simple Church. In that book, Simple Church, one of the subtitles had to do with making disciples. And there were four elements to what was defined as a simple church. Oh, you have the clicker. All right, making disciples, and there was four uh, specific steps that were involved in becoming what they were defining as a simple church. The first was clarity, and that was to say, once we had determined 
how we would go about making disciples, we would make sure that we communicate it clearly and that it was understood by everyone in the church. And in that process, there should be movement. There should be sequential steps. So one of the things that we can get stuck doing is just saying, hey, I go Sunday morning, I go to an ABF class, I go to Wednesday, or I go to a Bible study. But it doesn't really help us make steps or growth in our discipleship process. And then the third step was alignment. And that was to say that all the ministries of the church, all of our programs, should all be focused around this one uh, process. And then focus is to say that there are a lot of good things that we could be doing. But focus is to say the main goal we have is to make disciples who make disciples. So we're going to have to say no to some things when we say yes to other things. And then just after I came, we had a transition in our uh, pastoral leadership. And then we never imagined that it would go that long, but we went three years without a pastor. And during that time, we kind of put that conversation on hold. And then when Michael came to be our pastor, he brought with him some language that we have today about multiplying and maturing followers of Jesus. And we uh, read a book called Multiply. And the emphasis of that book was discipling disciples, um, disciples making disciples. And that was a book. It's an excellent book that you can go through with someone to help disciple them. And then when uh, Michael transitioned out, we went through a period where we invited a church consultant to come in to help us think better about this idea of making disciples. And Don McCall came and talked with us, and he emphasized a few different principles for us. And the first was an elder team that would not just focus on doing the ministry, but we would train leaders who train leaders. Reproducers was his term that he used. He also Talk to us about making sure that we see that the ministry is for the whole church. Every member of the church should be involved in ministry. And then he talked to us about our form of church government. And those of you who have been here know that we went about rewriting our constitution and adopted a different form of church government where we have elders, deacons, and the congregation. And then he emphasized that there should be a collaboration among all of the church toward this goal of making disciples. And then he talked to us about the idea of not seeing that we all have to do it in a big group, but that we could have different size groups throughout our church. And in those groups, each of the groups should focus on being a center of evangelism, discipleship, and pastoral care. So really what Don helped us think about was that we should all share the ministry rather than a few people at the top being responsible for that ministry. So here is... a. A graphic that will help us understand what he was talking about. Um, he talked about four different groups. The first was celebration, which is what we're doing right now. And this could be a group of 30, 300, or 3,000. Then he talked about the need for community. And those would be similar to what we have now, maybe in our ABFs, 13 to 30. But a place where we could kind of experience relationship in a family-type atmosphere. But that we also needed some groups where we have 4 to 12 people and a good level of intimacy and transparency and a sharing and involvement in each other's lives. And out of that, we started something called home groups to try to help meet that need a little better. But he also mentioned another group that he said is the best place for discipleship to take place, and that's in a group of 2 to 4 people, uh, same gender, where you can really get to know someone, where you can be yourself, where you can have a level of accountability and you can grow. So as Don shared those things, that impacted how we began to think about it. He mentioned that most churches 
have the first two elements, uh, service and maybe some community groups, but the very few have the care group, a small group ministry, if you will, and then almost none have that last level where discipleship is really taking place on a regular basis. And so as we went through that journey the last nine or ten years, that really culminated in where we were at as a church. And even as we looked for a pastor, we were looking for somebody who could see our vision for where we thought the church needed to go. And God brought us Phil, and this past year we've continued to work on that vision. Turned off my mic. See, we're working on technical things. So, this series that we've been going through is called Align. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about my family vacation, about how when we were we were swimming uh, in the ocean, uh, how as we were swimming, we didn't notice that we just slowly drifted away from where all our stuff was. And so then another time, we went swimming, and I left my phone where our stuff was. And when I left my phone there. I kept an eye on that spot. So as we drifted, I would tell the kids, hey, let's come back over here because I don't want anybody to steal my phone. And then we'd slowly drift as we were playing and I'd bring us back. And I had a benchmark, kind of a a place to look to know to keep myself aligned, keep myself near where I needed to be. Well, as a church, we've been talking about the Great Commission. And really what we want to do is that benchmark is the Great Commission to make disciples of all the nations. And so that benchmark, what we're seeking to do is align our church and even align ourselves as individuals, align our hearts around God's mission, align our priorities about what we see as important and unimportant, and align our mission around that great commission. So as the church can naturally, slowly shift to have that that point that we go, okay, we need to come back here because this is the mission that God has called us to. We make Jesus' last words our first work as a church. And so when you think about how we got here, when I started here about two years ago, uh, we got together with all the deacons and we had a deacon retreat. And when we had that deacon retreat, we looked at what are all the different things going on at North Park? What what things are going well? What things are are not going well? Where, Where are things that we need to give priority to? And from that, we came up with some core issues, the things that we really needed to work on. And so uh, not in order of importance, but this was just kind of order of how we tackled them. We had the structural leadership change that was already kind of 75% through. And so taking that last step of getting elders and deacons, getting the Constitution approved and that new leadership structure. Then uh, in that process, as we redid the Constitution, some uh, people said, well, why aren't we looking at the statement of faith and why aren't we looking at the whole Constitution? And, and two issues were brought up. One, uh, the issue of divorce and remarriage. Are we going to tackle that now? Uh, and the issue of women in ministry. And so we said, yes, we will tackle those things. And so we just wrapped up the spring, finished the statement on marriage and divorce. And once the pathway's launched, we're going to uh, look at that issue of women in ministry, and that's the next thing on the docket. Then we said, well, we need an overall facility plan. You know, if we need to make improvements here, are we going to be moving down to, to four mile? Are we going to be staying here? What's, what's the plan? And so this last year, we were able to purchase the house across the way, hire an intern. He has a sweet house to live at. And, uh, but long term, it gives us some flexibility with this space so we can grow the church here knowing that first we need to go to the church here before we even consider going to Four Mile or some other option. And then uh, the last three were all tied together. 
Really, the question was, as a church, do we know where we're headed, and do we know how to get there? And if we don't know where we're headed, and we don't know how to get there, it's really hard to look at our different ministries and evaluate, is this ministry accomplishing our mission if we don't have the mission to know how to accomplish it? And so we've been looking at all those three things for the last year, and that's all led to the development of this discipleship pathway. So what do we want to see happen? We want to see people engaged daily throughout the week, not just on Sunday, engaged in spiritual disciplines. Not a, a word that we don't often talk about, but it's just simple things like praying, spending time in God's Word, you know, taking time to, to daily engage so that when you come to church on Sunday, it's not something you come and, and you show up and you're like, this is my one spiritual fix for the week. We talked about the idea of eating a meal. If you only ate one meal a week, you'd look a lot different than I look. I eat a lot of meals during the week. They're very delicious. But when we come to church and say, this is the only spiritual meal I'm going to get, then we, we, we find that we're, we, we, we don't have this ability to, 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 to live out of the overflow of what God is doing in us. We find ourselves on empty and, and trying to figure things out. And so we want a church where people are daily engaged in God's Word. That's why we have the, the Bible reading plan. You know, the number one spiritual discipline that impacts every other spiritual discipline is daily engaging in God's Word. When people daily engage in God's Word, they're more likely to serve in the church, more likely to give, they're more likely to be happy, they're more likely to experience peace, they're less likely to have struggles in their marriage. Engaging in God's Word on a daily basis changes the rest of your trajectory as a believer in Christ. But then next, we also want people to experience community. You know, the Bible 59 times has different commands in the New Testament. There are one another commands. How do you live out those one another commands? Well, you need to be living in community so you can encourage one another, build one another up, keep each other accountable. Those things happen in community. So we want a natural, easy way for people to get plugged into community. And lastly, we want a church that's living on mission. God gave us this great commission to make disciples of all the nations, and we don't want to just say it's the great suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It's a command. And so we want to help our church live on mission. And so then the question that drove this conversation is, is our current truck structure intentional about creating these elements? Now I would say this. These elements were happening. You know, People were engaging in God's Word. Community was happening. There were people living on mission. What we're not saying is that these things were not happening at North Park. They were. And that's one of the reasons I love being a part of this body of, of this church body, this church family, is because when I came here, I saw people that were doing these things. And I said, I want to be a part of that church. But is our plan intentional about creating these elements? And I would say that some ways, yes. But in other ways, we wanted to look at discipleship more like a map than a menu. A few years ago, I had to go gluten-free. And you, all of a sudden, your, your, your options are limited. But one of my favorite places is Qdoba. I love Qdoba. It's delicious. But over the last two years, as I often go there, because there's not a lot of options for me to eat, I often bring people to Qdoba that have never been there. And I watch them. And they get this thing, analysis paralysis. They look at the menu and they go, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know? I'm like, well, you can get nachos, you can get tacos, you can get burrito, but they're like, I've never eat, eaten here, what do I do? And so then we kind of walk through, and I'm like, okay, this is, you know, and then they ask you the question, what, what protein do you want? Who talks about meat like that? You know, what protein do you want? I'm like, 
You mean what, meat? But I guess there are other people that don't eat meat, and that's okay. I'm just, I prefer the meat. So just, uh, what protein do you want? So you pick your protein, all these different things. And there's all these options. You've got to figure out all the options. And oftentimes, church is kind of like a, a menu, you know? Well, what do you want this? We have this for that need and this for that need. You can be involved in this or be involved in that. And, 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 and when people are new and they're in the new connections class and they say, how do I get involved? Well, you can get here, 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 here. And then people are going, well, I don't know which one fits me. The second way to look at church is kind of like a map. You know, every, every day, not every day, but most days I go to pick up uh, our international students that, that live at our house uh, and we go to pick them up at North Point. And because of the expressway, you know, right now being closed, I usually pull up my GPS, even though I know how to get there, to see where the traffic is, you know. But with the map, you have a destination. And then you, you determine what's the best way to get to that destination. And so what we've been seeking to do with this discipleship pathway is to create a map that says, hey, there are a lot of different ways to get to this destination, but at North Park, we believe this is the best map to get to a place where people can make disciples who make disciples. So John talked about that, that picture that we had, and, and so we talked a lot about that with Don McCall coming, and, and we had the worship service, and then we had the ABF classes, and so we were missing the care groups, and so we added the home groups, and then now we're talking about D groups, which we've been talking about for a number of weeks, and, and adding that element, and we just ask the question, is it too much for someone to be involved, to come every Sunday to a worship service, and then also be involved in the ABF where community is supposed to happen, but then also be a part of the separate home group where community is supposed to happen, but then also now add this D group every week, and then also serve in some capacity, and so that had us questioning what's the best way to structure if those are all true. So we go back to the big picture, our mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This commandment to make disciples of all the nations as we are going through evangelism and continual discipleship by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at that over and over and over again in this series. And so as we think about making disciples, we, I think the best place to look is the life of Jesus, right? I mean, if we want to think about how to do this well, we should probably look at the life of Jesus. And when you look at the life of Jesus... He did have this bigger group of followers. We see in Luke 10 that, that he sent 72 out ahead of him. There was this group of followers that he had that was, that was following kind of like a congregation type thing. And from among them, he sent the 72 out. In Acts 1, we see that the, the believers all gathered and there was 120 of them. So there was this bigger group of followers to Jesus, this kind of congregation that was following him. And then he had the 12, you know, the 12 disciples that... You know, when you look at the scriptures, 90% of the New Testament is all talking about things that happened with the 12 of the four Gospels. And you have Jesus and the crowds, or sorry, Jesus and the three, Peter, James, and John. A number of different circumstances, you see Jesus, Peter, James, and John withdraw from the group. And they were the most intimate, and they were at the transfiguration. They were there at the garden and, and different areas where they withdrew. And then lastly, you see Jesus ministering to the crowds. You know, people would bring their sick and, and those that were demon-possessed and all these things, and they would come, and, and Jesus would minister to them. 
So when we reflect that model, we think about the mission statement that we had as North Park to gather, grow, and go. So we're, we gather to worship and be on mission together as a congregation. We, we grow together in discipleship through community. We grow deeper through intentional, accountable relationships. And we go into the world to accomplish His mission. But as we've been thinking through that, we thought, okay, what about a pathway, a way to get people involved, a way to create a church structure that makes disciples who make disciples? So here's the pathway. We want to know God through worship and teaching, share community through life groups, learn discipleship in D groups, and love the world through evangelism, missions, and service. If you're like, I can't write that down fast enough on your way out, you're going, to get a, you're going to get a sheet that will tell you all this so you don't have to, so you just follow along. I know I'm flying. Just stay with me. So, first, know God through worship and teaching. What do we even do on Sunday mornings? I think oftentimes, when we think of the word worship, we think of the time that we're singing here on Sunday mornings. But worship is a lot more than that. When we come on Sunday mornings, we can worship a number of different ways. We worship as we're singing, but we worship as we surrender to Christ. As we open God's Word and we say, God, I want to surrender to Your Word. I want to live my life according to Your Word. We, we worship as we serve each other. It's an act of worship. We worship as we give our financial gifts back to God from what He's already given to me. We worship as we love each other, as we pursue unity. And again, the two ways that Jesus said the world would know that we are Christians are by our love and by our unity. So we demonstrate who Jesus is as we love each other and as we are unified as a church. So we gather on Sunday mornings to worship and surrender to God's Word. And then we share community through life groups. We've been talking, and now the word life group is new, and we'll get there in a second, but we've been talking these last couple weeks about what it looks like to share community, to gather and consider Remember that word consider, it's this idea of, of thinking about, of, of giving attention to, of, of focusing on. And so when we gather in community, our focus is to build one another up, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, to come alongside each other, to support each other, to live out the one another commands in the New Testament. Now, if you only come on Sunday mornings, can you live out the one another commands? On a certain level. You, know, you can come here and you can love each other and you can encourage each other, but there, there's something to be said about getting, getting plugged into a smaller community where you can truly live out the one another commands, where you can truly encourage each other. It's really hard to encourage someone when you don't know what their struggles are. So those smaller communities give you that opportunity. And so one of the things we tried to do as we were looking at community is we realized there was a gap. With adult Bible fellowships, with ABFs, over time, a lot of them grew very large, and then uh, some people didn't feel comfortable sharing their requests with a very, very large group, or other people weren't plugged into an ABF, and so we created home groups. Because ABFs were designed to be a place of teaching and community. The original intention of ABS was to be a hub not just of teaching, but also of community. And some of the groups have become more of a traditional Sunday school, where it's just all about the lesson. Other groups have really lived out that community. And other groups, like I'll just speak for myself, my ABF is awesome. In fact, when we start talking about things, my wife told me, if you change our ABF, I'm going to vote to have you fired. And I said, no, don't do that. <laughs> so 
I said, well, <laughs> got to get my wife on board with this thing going forward. But one of the hardships of my ABF is it's big. I mean, we have like 30 people-ish, and then most of the people in RBF have a number of kids. So if I ever once on Friday night was like, hey, anybody who wants to come over, bring your kids over, I don't live in a mansion. I can't fit the 30 adults, let alone all the kids that would come with them. And so it becomes a little more difficult with our current structure to, to do some of the community things that we love to do. And so we're intentional as an ABF. You know, we have, we have a, a fall party and a Christmas party and we get babysitters and we plan it at places like outside or things we can do. But still it becomes very difficult. And so home groups were designed to kind of fill the relational gaps that are missing in ABS. You know, maybe if the group's bigger, sometimes you can't have those close relationships. Or maybe, you know, if you're not part of an ABF, or, or sometimes, you know, I, I'll just be honest about our struggles as a church, a lot of our ABFs are kind of life stage oriented. And so then sometimes when people don't feel like they fit in a specific life stage, they feel kind of awkward in the ABF. And so home groups were an attempt to say, hey, you know, we're going to have all these different avenues where you can get plugged in. And so they accomplished some really good things. Um, Some people were able to get in a home group and were able to experience community in a new way that they hadn't experienced. Whereas others who had real community in the ABFs felt like, well, this is just one extra thing to do because I already have my community in the ABF. I don't need this extra thing. And so as we kept looking at it, we said, well, we need to we need to, to, to do something about this. And so life groups are our, our attempt to get the best of both worlds. Smaller groups provide opportunities for deeper relationships. Intentional events outside of Sunday mornings provide opportunities to build relationships, to serve together, to invite unbelievers into an event that is less formal. We'll have continual training to always keep the Great Commission in mind so we don't shift from the right or to the left. And that was actually one of the reasons why, as we considered our staffing, that we moved Pastor John to this role of executive pastor, to have someone to give clear leadership to each of these next steps and to support the life groups. But I'm sure your question is, well, what in the world are life groups? And are you going to mess with my thing? Because I like my thing. You better not mess with it, Phil. So life groups are a place of community where participants can engage in God's Word together, where we can grow deeper in our walk with God, we can grow deeper in our relationships with each other. Life groups will have these elements, welcoming, a time to to stop and catch up from the week, a time of teaching and discussion, a, a time where we coordinate upcoming events, and a time to pray for each other. The ideal size of a life group is 10 to 20, but before you kill me. As we start this ministry, you understand that some groups aren't going to be this size. So if we're going to start a new life group, a brand new life group, we'd say, hey, that's 10 to 20. But here's the thing that I think a lot of people make mistakes, uh, when, especially young guys like me. They come into a church and say, hey, that thing that's working doesn't fit specifically in what we want to do. So that thing that's working, we're going to tell you to stop doing that effective ministry because we have a specific way we want to do things. So if your ABF is effective in, in building community and, and doing those things, what we're going to come do, and we're going to come and train you on how to lead a life group and, and do those things, but we're not going to say you have to split up. So my wife can not vote for me to be fired. Um, but the ideal size is that 10 to 20. And so as we start new life groups, that's going to be the model. We're not going to start these really big groups. And, and so we're going to have some flexibility those, for those, some of those ABS that are doing ministry effectively. 
So we encourage life groups to meet regularly outside of Sunday mornings and to have scheduled events for relationship building, for serving together, and for outreach. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But what does this mean for our current ABFs and home groups? That's probably the question you all came to with this morning. Nobody, nobody probably is coming, I, hope, I can't wait to see what Pastor Phil is going to say about this. They're going, what are you going to do with my current stuff, right? Was everybody thinking that? Okay, yep, okay. So uh, both ABF and home group leaders will be trained how to lead a life group, and they will both take on the new structure. And we have a pastor on staff who's visual, and so he helped me create a visual, because I am not visual, so I wouldn't do good at this. So Pastor John created this awesome thing. We have adult Bible fellowships, and we have home groups right now, currently. That's what we have. Both of those things will transition into life groups, and we'll either meet on Sunday a.m. or p.m. or other times. Now, your question may be, well, well how does this all work? Because we have about 17 home groups, or sorry, 17 ABFs and home groups. We have seven ABFs, ten, about ten home groups. And a lot of the people that are in home groups are also in an ABF. And that, that was really one of, the, one of the hardships is you have someone who's you know, in an ABF, in a home group. Uh, they're also maybe serving in some way in, in the church. And maybe they want to get plugged into a D group. And they have all these different things, all competing times. They're figuring out how to do it. So the way it'll work is basically, so we understand that some of the home groups are going to say, hey, you know, my, relation, my key relationships are in ABFs, and, and even most of the people in my home groups are in an ABF, and so therefore I'm going to be part of the life group that happens during the ABF time. We also understand that some people have said, man, my home group has been amazing. It's, I, I found that this was something I was really missing. And so I'm going to have my home group now become my life group. Now we're going to give some flexibility here. A couple different things when we think about this stuff. One, if every group was to go down to 10 to 20, we might not even have enough classroom space. Uh, we're, we could do some things. We could split the venue, do some other things. Um, but so what if a group has found, man, we really love meeting on Sunday nights. It's been really beneficial. But to meet every week on Sunday nights, that would be too difficult. What if every first and third Sunday... We met here for Sunday school time, and every second and fourth Sunday, we met in our home. And then even the second and fourth Sunday, I got kids, we could, we could even serve in the children's ministry. We've always wanted to do that, but we didn't want to miss our ABF. Well, there's other options. So we're going to be flexible with all these other things. So all the questions you have, we're just going to know, we're going to work with you to create the best atmosphere for this. And then the those, the best way for D groups to form is out of your already existing relationships. And so the life groups, in the words of the conference yesterday, become the fishing pond for the D groups. And as life groups are a place to invite unbelievers, to invite people that aren't part of the church to the life group, it's less, less um, stressful than going to a church. And as they're invited into life groups now, as they get plugged into the church, now that's the perfect place for them to get invited into, into a D group to start to grow deeper. The third part of the pathway, and those D groups will then replicate and make more D groups. Third part about the discipleship pathway is to learn discipleship in D groups. D groups are gender specific groups of three to five people that commit to 12 to 18 months together. They will have prayer, relationship building, scripture memory, Bible discussion, accountability, and these are groups of men or women that are, are to weakly carry out these marks of a healthy discipleship group. 
The marks are really important because if a group is to be healthy, it needs to be missional. Every week in my D group, I'm asked, you know, did I, was I intentional in relationship with people who don't know Jesus yet? That's an important question to ask because I want other people to know, to hear the good news about Jesus Christ, that he has changed my life, and I want to be held accountable to that. So we're missional. They're, they're accountable. They're a place to be accountable to good things like reading God's word and be accountable to fight sin. They're reproducible. They're really easy, really simple, so that someone, after they've been a part of it, can easily do the same thing. One of the struggles when you have one-on-one discipleship is that usually you have a mentor who is much further along in their spiritual walk and a mentee, and then after the year with their mentor, they go, well, I couldn't do that. That sounds, that's too hard. And so these D groups are designed to be easily reproducible, and so people can enter into these relationships and they can do it easily when they're done with someone else. Communal, it's a place where deep community happens. You know, when you're getting texts about this new baby that's on the way and it's exciting, and they tell you how, how many minutes the, the things are apart, the, the, the contractions are apart, and I have no idea. Does that mean you're going to have a baby in like five minutes or in two days? I don't know. I can't, I don't keep track of that. Three to eight minutes. What does that even mean? I don't know. That's about the time between commercials and the football game. That's what I know. <laughs> but you live out these things, this community, right? And scriptural, the Word of God is our textbook. And so every week together on D groups, we get together and we talk about what we learn from God's Word. We study God's Word together. And then the reading plan follows the sermon. So we're getting prepared for the sermon in our hearts as well. And then lastly, to love the world through evangelisms, missions, and service. You know, I want this to be a place where the light of Jesus shines so bright that when people walk through the door, they can't help but see who Jesus is through our actions. I want baptism after baptism after baptism because people's lives are being changed by the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. I want to be standing up here and surrounding people, men, women, who have accepted the call to go to the least of these, to go out to unreached people groups because they see the Great Commission. They say, I want to be a part of that. And so we gather around and we pray and we send them off to the ends of the earth. I get so excited when I read the updates from the Stroops to see what they're doing to go out to this, this group that doesn't know Jesus. This needs to be the lifeblood of our church. If we lose sight of the mission, we've, we've missed it. It can be so easy to be caught up in our, our, our little conveniences, so easy to focus on comfort, and if we lose sight of the mission, we've missed the boat. And so the life groups won't just be prayer about, you know, Susie's foot and, and those things. And that's good. We need to be praying for each other and each other's ailments. But the life groups will have intentional prayer for neighbors, co-workers, family members that don't know Jesus. That we continue to lift them up and we continue to seek them out to be people who get to know who Jesus is. Our life groups will have opportunities regularly to invite people in to events so they can invite their neighbor to a cookout or do something so we're reaching out into our community. Because frankly, if we want our community to come and learn who Jesus is, they're not just going to drive past and go, oh, that looks like a nice place. Our building is ugly, people. It's a really ugly square. 
They're not going to go by and be, I want to go here. They're going to encounter us out in the community, inviting them into relationship and go, I like that person. I should check out their church. Right? This doesn't happen if we sit in the seats every week. It happens if we go. Discipleship group members will be held accountable each week to intentionally build relationships with other unbelievers. Long term. Now understand, some of these things are in process. So some of these things aren't there yet. But long term, we're going to have intentional outreach events to reach out to our community. And long term, we're going to go out and we're going to go out and pray for our neighbors and pray with our neighbors and, and, and invite them into a beautiful Wonderful life provided through Jesus Christ. So the question becomes, why change what we're doing? There's pockets of effectiveness. I like our church. I, I like my ABF. I like my home group. Why do we need to change? We're changing because we highly value the Great Commission and we want to see North Park make disciples who make disciples. As we're going out, We want to make disciples of all the nations through evangelism and continual discipleship by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our pathway is we want people to know God and then get plugged in and share community with others, live out to love one another, then learn discipleship. What does it look like to be a disciple and how can I disciple someone else? And then lastly, to love the world. We want to align. We want to align our hearts with the things God cares about. We want to align our priorities with the priorities that God has given us in the Scriptures. We want to align our mission. We want to be about the mission of making disciples of all the nations. We don't want to lose sight. We don't want to slowly drift off. We want to keep that marker so every time we start to drift, we come back. What's our mission? Come back. What's our mission? And so as you think through this, I'm sure it's easy to think through all the different ways this might affect you and to get caught up in all the minutiae of the different things about this pathway. But I encourage you, as you do that, to stop and pray. To ask God, how can I be a part of making North Park a church that is discipleship-centric? How can I be a part of this thing that I know God is doing? God is the one that does this, folks. We could create the best pathway in the world. We could create the best strategies in the world. And if God's done it, it's going to fail. And so what, we're, what we've been trying to do as a leadership team is to align ourselves with what we see in scriptures. And so I'm asking you to, to just prayerfully consider this. And in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about each and every element of the pathway. As we walk through that, listen Pray, and there's going to be time. This is going to be a long process, right? So we're going to have opportunities. We're going to go into the ABFs, and we're going to be able to let you ask us questions and talk through things. And we're actually looking at launching this in March. So this isn't like tomorrow, or April actually now. Sorry, April. And we're going to do training and all those kind of things. But we're, we're seeking to get your feedback. But I just want to keep, as you evaluate, to keep that end goal in mind. To fulfill the Great Commission. And lastly, I just, I just want to take a second. I just want to close my notes, and I just want to say something separate. Um, if you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, please consider it. There are so many things in this world that offer temporary satisfaction. 
They offer just glimpses of fulfillment. You know, I, I told you I'm gluten-free, and so I, I can't, also can't eat fructose, which really stinks. And so I, I go to, to Sam's Club, and I get the Mexican Coke because it has cane sugar instead of the high-fructose corn syrup. But it only comes in the 12-ounce bottles. And, and so after those 12 ounces, you're like, that Coke was amazing, but it's gone. And it's sad because it was delicious. But for a moment while you're drinking that Coke, there's satisfaction. Even when I see the commercials, you know, the Coke, and it's like, oh, I miss regular Coke. I just miss being able to go to Meyer and, you know. But, but there's this like, temporary moment where you're like, that was satisfied. And, and everything else that this world offers gives that temporary satisfaction. If I just had the right job, if I, if I just did the right thing, if, if I could find the right spouse, if I could find this other stuff, and we're always seeking that satisfaction, but that satisfaction can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He offers grace and mercy and an eternal relationship. And so if you're here today and you don't know him, and you're like, well, what is all this stuff about life groups and home groups and ABFs and all disciples, and just throw that aside for a second. Jesus came and he said, I come to seek and save the lost. Do you know who the people is that Jesus ate with? It was, it was the tax collectors that nobody liked. It was the sinners. It was the broken. It was the messed up. Jesus came for them and invited them into a relationship with himself. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you and make that same invitation. Come to Jesus. He offers eternal life, forgiveness from sins. And it doesn't mean your life's going to be easy and better. It's not this picture-perfect thing. There are going to be struggles, but he will be with you in the midst of the struggle. So if you haven't, put your faith and trust in Christ. Please come talk to me. It would be the most joyful thing I could experience to come and help you have a relationship with the creator of the universe who loves you dearly. Let's pray.